Welcome to China in Context. I'm Duncan Bartlett. China's leader Xi Jinping displayed a remarkable range of different tones when he had a long video conference call with the U.S. President Joe Biden in late November 2021. There was a great deal of charm, some rather poetic observations on the nature of leadership and history, and lots of talk about the common destiny of humankind. But there were also times when Mr. Xi sounded quite aggressive, taking his cue from a diplomatic style known as the wolf warrior approach. He was particularly intimidating when discussing Taiwan. Mr. Xi warned that anyone who supports Taiwanese independence is playing with fire and would burn themselves. Well, joining me to discuss the historic meeting between the U.S. and Chinese leaders is Dr. Olivia Chung. A specialist in the political thought of Xi Jinping at the SOAS China Institute. Olivia, welcome to China in Context. Thank you for having me, Duncan. Now, I thought it was notable that this meeting took place over a video link rather than in person. I think there had been opportunities for Mr. Xi and Mr. Biden to meet face to face in the same room recently, had they wished to. For example, they could have met at diplomatic events in Rome. Or in Glasgow, why did they decide to use the video? I think there are really three reasons, Duncan. The first reason is that Xi Jinping does not want to travel to the U.S. He has not left China for nearly two years now. The last time he was out of the country was back in January 2020. A commonly cited reason is COVID. I think that is a valid reason. The second reason why Xi decided to use video is that he doesn't want Biden to come to China, and quite likely Biden doesn't want to come either, due to the tensions in U.S.-China relations, which is really、um, quite sour for a very long time. Now, the third reason, and I think that is the most significant reason, is that Xi Jinping attaches a very low priority to face-to-face -face meeting. Um, usually, for most countries, their most tricky, difficult negotiations are done by their leaders directly when they meet face to face. Now, Xi Jinping feels very strongly that other countries should interact with China on China's own terms. That would mean that face to face meeting is less necessary. We can see this as an extension of Xi Jinping's notion of China's home court. Diplomacy, where other countries should be interacting with China on the conditions and terms that China has set. Looking at the photographs and the TV footage, what did you notice about the visual signals that Mr. Xi was sending over the video, and indeed the visual language that you saw from Mr. Biden's side? I will be commenting on this question mostly from the TV footage that I saw. Um, on CCTV, China Central Television. So the first observation I have was neither Xi Jinping nor the six men accompanying him were wearing a mask. While on the American side, Biden was the only one in the room without a mask on, while everyone else with Biden had a mask. So clearly, from a Chinese audience perspective, the U.S. is still battling with COVID-19, while the Chinese side is significantly more successful and confident. The second observation I have, judging from the CCTV footage, 
was that Biden was frequently nodding and taking notes when Xi Jinping was talking. We didn't see Xi Jinping doing the same when Biden talks. So clearly um, the presentation is that Biden is a diligent student of Xi Jinping thought and likely quite impressed by what Xi Jinping has to offer. The third observation I have was that Xi Jinping and the Chinese side are portrayed by CCTV as looking extremely self-confident and assured. They are situated in a very ornately furnished grand looking, brightly lit and spacious chamber of the Great Hall of the People in Beijing. And I think the venue is purposely chosen to overshadow um, the Roosevelt Room that Biden used to meet Xi Jinping. Although the room, the Roosevelt Room is obviously a room of political significance in American politics, but it is definitely being overshadowed by the Chinese venue in terms of how it looks. Well, indeed, it looked as though the Chinese side were sitting inside a palace, didn't it? Which aspects of the conversation are being particularly emphasised by the Chinese media? There are several. The first of which is that China's status as a great power is being emphasised. Um, the portrayal of the Chinese state media of the Xi-Biden meeting is very much that China is already on par with the United States in its global status. Xi Jinping described China and the US as two giant ships sailing in the ocean, as the two largest economies in the world, and as permanent members of the UN Security Council. So the rationale behind you know, citing all these is to give the impression that China really is equal to the United States. With that, the Chinese state media emphasizes a lot that Xi Jinping demands Biden to treat China with respect. This is the first of the three principles that she mentioned to Biden during their meeting, the other two being peaceful coexistence and win-win cooperation. Treating China with respect does not only mean that China doesn't want the US to criticize or subvert its one party system. What it also means is that China wants the US to recognize and praise that its one party system is as good as, if not superior to a liberal democratic form of government and better still recognize that it is a form of democracy in its own right. The significance of this is that if there are elements of the rules-based international order that is incompatible to China's political system, then it should be absolutely legitimate for China to decide to not go along with that. To give an example, the rules-based international order promotes a notion of human rights as something inalienable to every individual. But China's one-party political system subordinates human rights to an absolute notion of state sovereignty and regime security. Therefore, any criticism of China's human rights performance in Xinjiang, Tibet, Hong Kong, or more generally, is out of the question. Any criticism would be seen as not accepting, not respecting China's political system, and hence not respecting China. I thought it was significant that the Xi-Biden summit took place just a few days after the conclusion of a plenum of the Communist Party in Beijing. And that meeting passed a historical resolution, as it was termed, 
which hailed Mr. Xi as a leader who's made China strong. What impact will that have on the way he approaches the relationship with the United States of America, do you think? In fact, Xi Jinping did mention the plenum to Biden, giving him an education of Chinese communist politics. <laughs> Xi Jinping noted to Biden that the plenum confirmed the achievements of the Chinese Communist Party in leading the Chinese people. The plenum was extremely upbeat. Although it acknowledged that China's external environment is very complex, it also reaffirms Xi Jinping's favorite diagnosis of the international situation. That is, the world is in a period of profound changes unseen in a century. What is he referring to? It is the US and the West more generally are on a course of decline and decay, while China is on a course of irreversible rise. This is a fundamental assessment in Xi Jinping's vision that underpins his foreign policy. And this is being reaffirmed at the plenum. What this suggests is there will not be any major change in direction or content in China's very assertive approach in dealing with the US. Can you help us to understand some of the language or terminology which Mr. Xi used in the meeting? Were there any phrases which stood out to you as being particularly significant? There were quite a few. Xi told Biden that China and the US must each run their domestic affairs well, and at the same time shoulder their share of international responsibilities. Given that after saying this, Xi then went on to elaborate on the achievement of the party in China, and that the Chinese state media has very, very strongly criticized the mishandling of COVID-19 and political polarization in the United States. Xi's implication of running domestic affairs well to Biden is really a very strong criticism. The US has not been running its affairs well. This is what Xi Jinping really means. The implication is that do not try to bolster your security alliances and partnerships and try to seek global leadership when you cannot keep your house in order. So that is the first takeaway. The second takeaway is that Xi Jinping asked Biden to demonstrate political leadership and steer America's China policy back on track of reason and pragmatism. This suggests that Xi Jinping is very disappointed that Biden has not fundamentally shifted away from Trump's approach of competition with China and sees China as an adversary to the US. Although, of course, to be fair, China sees the US as an adversary as well. The last thing that I would like to add is that she said the global initiatives that China has proposed are open to the US. And we hope that the reverse is also true. What this means is China is disapproving of many US-led initiatives that China thinks is um, a way of um, building hegemony and excluding China in global leadership. Take an example, the Build Back Better World Partnership put forward by G7 um, in around June this year provide alternative funding for poorer countries for infrastructure construction. That was put forward by the G7, including United States, as an alternative to China's Belt and Road Initiative. So this is something that Xi Jinping is criticizing implicitly. 
there does appear to have been a breakthrough at the meeting in terms of potential arms control negotiations. That seems to be aimed at slowing down the nuclear arms race. How does that sit with Xi Jinping's ambition to build the People's Liberation Army into a world-class military, as he puts it? I think it is encouraging indeed that um, this Xi-Biden meeting would be opening up to more routine, um, lower level exchanges between China and the United States on arms control. But I think the content of those discussions would mainly be focused on conflict management and de-escalation um, rather than restricting China's military ambitions because Xi Jinping have made it quite clear that building China's army, the People's Liberation Army, into a world-class military is part of his package of national rejuvenation. And hence, any concession, if at all, that the Chinese would give um, would not include undermining the PLA. Finally, it seems as though the United States is going to stage a diplomatic boycott of the Winter Olympics in China. How would China regard such an action on the part of the US? I think China would see that as an affront to China's um, domestic interests. But really, if US athletes would participate, then it would be an achievement on China's part already from Beijing's perspective. So even if no US officials showed up for the Beijing Olympics, but US as a country sent their athletes, then that would still show that China hasn't been forced to pay a heavy cost in terms of diplomatic boycott for what it did in Xinjiang. Olivia, thank you. You've been just the right person to explain this event to us and to provide us with some really interesting insight into the thinking on the Chinese side. That was Dr. Olivia Chung from the SOAS China Institute. This podcast is produced by SOAS, part of the University of London, and you can find out more about our courses and research soas.ac.uk. But for now, that's all from us here at the China in Context podcast team.